You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. things happen when you seek the Lord. That's all I can say. Incredible things happen. Marriages are restored. Relationships are restored. You are restored. Things happen when you seek the Lord. When you seek the Lord with all your heart, things happen. They just, it's incredible when we see them. When a person takes on the, I'm going to seek the Lord, we know he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And we know that those people who look to Him and strive after Him, He rewards. He gives them the desires of their heart. Are you pursuing God with all your heart? If you are, as Pastor Dave said, blessings from God will follow. But if you're not, then there's no better time than now to start. And in pursuing and chasing after God, you'll find that He desires to pour out blessings in every aspect of your life. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of 2 Chronicles chapter 34 as he begins his message, Josiah and the Book of the Law. We are in 2 Chronicles 34, coming to the end of this book, this rehash of the history of the nation Judah uh, by a chronicler. We think it was Ezra, but we're not 100% sure. So they believe it might have been Ezra as he chronicled. A lot of this information can be found in First and Second Kings. And you can read ahead, uh, but this deals mainly with Judah, whereas First and Second Kings dealt with both, but more so Second Kings with the northern um, Israel, the nation Israel, and not the nation Judah. Remember, they split. There was a northern nation called Israel, and there was a southern nation called Judah. All right, they were one nation under God at one time, but they split. So, um, let's pray. Father God, we just come before you in the name of Jesus Christ to give you thanks and praise and worship for the mighty, mighty God you are. And for the works of your hand, Father God. And every time I think about that, every time I think about that prayer, the only thing I can think of is the outstretched hands of Jesus Christ on a cross. That is the mightiest work that was ever completed. And him hanging on a cross meant our salvation. It meant us having a relationship back to you. It meant us having our sins forgiven. And it meant us having eternal life. Father, what a joy. What a pleasure it is to be your child. Lord, I just ask now that you would touch us mightily as we go through your word, that our hearts would be open to anything that you might speak to us, Lord. And I know we pray this at all times, and it's true. We want you to speak to our hearts boldly. We're sitting before you, Lord, and we ask that your spirit would touch our heart in a special way. Show us, guide us, lead us through your words that we might come closer to you. Lord, we thank you. We pray this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. So, We talked about too little, too late. Manasseh and Ammon, his son, two of the most wicked kings that ever took the throne of Judah. Too little, too late. This week, Josiah, who is the son of Ammon, becomes king. And he makes a strong, strong effort to get the nation and, in fact, the entire country back to God. He makes a strong case for it. But again, remember... Things have already happened. 
things have already taken place. Manasseh had already taken the country way too far. And they were doomed, basically. But God was holding on. And I love this about our God. I love this about our God. He is so long-suffering with us. He is so long-suffering and so long-striving with each of us all the time. And even when we sin, he's striving with us and wants us to confess our sins because he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He's always wanting us to come close to him. And he wants desperately for his people, the Jews, the Israelites, to come to him. He wants them to come back. So Josiah has all these acts of reformation. And God is using these acts of reformation once more to test the nation Israel, to test Judah, to test them once again. If they had only known that this was their day. Now remember when Jesus came to Jerusalem, he cried over it. Why? Because they didn't know their day of visitation. They didn't know that Jesus was coming when they should have. Well, this is the day that these people should have known. They saw the northern kingdom Israel, get carried away by the Assyrians. They watched it. They saw that. And there was a remnant left up there. So God was saying, listen, guys, I want your attention. And I think here in these last days that we're in, God is still trying to get our attention. He's still trying to knock on the door of your heart. We studied that as we studied the church of Laodicea last Sunday. God's knocking on the door of your heart. He's saying, get right. Get right with me through the cross of Jesus Christ. Come to me. Come to me and I will give you rest for your soul. I will give you rest from your labor. And he wants that desperately of all mankind. But he wants his church to be right because he's coming for his church soon. Read Revelation 4, verses 1 and 2. So he wants them to have peace. He wants this to go good. And even though everything that Josiah does improves their living, it improves everything, ruin was coming and it couldn't be stopped. Because after his reign, things go right back. They just bounce right back like a rubber band to three more people. You have Jehoiahaz, you have Jeconiah, and you have Elikim, who they changed his name to Jehoiakim. And then you have Zedekiah. I mean, it's at the end, folks. And these happen so fast. They go so fast now. But right now, Josiah is going to become king. Let's read verses 1 and 2. Of, ch- of chapter 34. Josiah was eight years old. How do you become king at eight years old? He was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem, and he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, and walked in the ways of who? His father David. He did not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. And here you have a summary of Josiah's reign 32 years. Was it 30? Yeah, 31 years he reigned. He walked according to David. He didn't walk according to his grandfather, Hezekiah, his great-grandfather. He walked towards his father, David, who was the father of all kings. And he walked according to him. What was it said of David? He had a heart after God. He had a heart after God. He was a man after God's own heart. So here you have Josiah emulating David. What a great thing for a king to do. Eight years old when he became king. How did he become king? What happened to his father, Anam? He was killed. He was assassinated. He was assassinated. We read that last week in uh, verse 24 of 33. Then his servants conspired against him and killed him in his own home. So his father, A-M-O-N, Anam, was killed. And he now becomes king at eight years old. Old, An eight-year-old boy is now sitting on the throne of Judah, and he followed after the steps of his great father, David. 
He did what was right in the sight of the Lord. And this statement, like I said, is the overview of his entire reign, the entire 31 years. He was a great reformer. He was a great reformer, and he changed the heart of what Israel looked like, but he could not change the heart of the people. He could not change the heart of the people. He was a great leader, but the people didn't follow him because their hearts were too hardened. Their hearts were too bent on worshiping idols. Their hearts were too bent on not serving God the way he wanted them to serve them. And this was the problem. Like I said, the die was already cast. God had always made up a mind. But, you know, God is willing that none would perish. God is long-suffering, and he's not slack in his promise. He doesn't want anyone to perish. Let's read verses 3 through 7. For in the eighth year of his reign, while he was still young, he began to seek the God of his father David. And in the twelfth year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem for the high places and the wooden images, the carved images, and the molded images. They broke down the altars of the Baals in his presence, and incense altars which were above them he cut down. And the wooden images, the carved images, the molded images, he broke in pieces and made dust of them, and scattered it on the graves of those who had sacrificed to them. He also burned the bones of the priests on the altars and cleansed Judah and Jerusalem. And he did so in the cities of Manasseh, Ephraim, Simeon, as far as Naphtali, and all around with axes. And when he had broken down the altars and the wood images had beaten the carved images into powder and cut down the incense altars throughout all the land of Israel, he returned to Jerusalem. He was a busy dude. He was really busy. He takes a stand against the idolatry, which has been plaguing Judah for centuries. It's been plaguing Judah. Remember, Jeroboam, the first king in the, northern, in the northern kingdom, brought idolatry in. And he set up golden calves and all that. And ever since then, Israel, the northern kingdom, was completely wiped out. But that seeped into Judah. And they were following hard after him. So he takes a stand. He takes a stand against all of Israel. Not just Judah, but all of Israel as well. Note the progression of his age. He began his reign at eight years old, and now in the eighth year, which would mean he was 16 years old, he began to seek the Lord God of his father, David. I love this. I love this. Oh, if we could get our teens to start seeking God with their whole heart, if we would get our teens to come back to the Lord and seek him with their whole heart, oh my, what a difference things would be. But I got news for you, friends. Our teenagers are fleeing the church in droves. Our youth, our young people are running away from the church. They're just running away from the church, and it's horrible. And the statistics will really scare you. They'll really scare you if you look how many young people are fleeing the church. They're fleeing the church. But not, not Josiah. He began to seek God at 16 years old, and this was the beginning of his spiritual walk. He started a spiritual walk, and he kept on walking and progressing with David as his model. The chronicler calls David Josiah's father because that is who he emulated. That is who he looked to. And really, in that culture, David was his father. In that culture, David was his father because they all came from David's line. Every one of them came from the seed of David. And this was prophesied by the Lord. So we, David sought the Lord, and Josiah did too. Incredible things happen when you seek the Lord. That's all I can say. Incredible things happen. Marriages are restored. Relationships are restored. You're, you are restored. Things happen when you seek the Lord. When you seek the Lord with all your heart, things happen. They just It's incredible when we see them. When a person takes on the, I'm going to seek the Lord, we know he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. 
And we know that those people who look to him and strive after him, he rewards. He gives them the desires of their heart. We know that from scripture. We read scripture. But to seek the Lord on your own, to seek the Lord, watch what he can do as you seek him. Not just on Sundays, not just on Wednesday nights, not just on other nights of the week, but all the time with your heart. Waking up with praises on your lips and thanksgiving in your heart. Praising him all day long. Walking with him in fellowship. Walking with him in in communion and enjoying his love. Oh my gosh, the Lord can do incredible things, incredible things. Remember what we said back in 2 Chronicles 16, the Lord Lord is looking to and fro throughout the line for one heart, one heart that he can show himself strong on behalf, one heart, because that's how it begins. He takes that heart and he molds it and shapes it and makes it into something grand. Josiah has that heart. Josiah had that heart. He started to seek the Lord at a young age, and and he was doing this. And How many scriptures do you read that say, seek the Lord? Seek the Lord while he can be found. Does that mean there'll be a time when he can't be found? I don't know. It sounds like it. Seek the Lord while he can be found. If you seek the Lord, you'll find him. Draw nigh to him, and he'll draw nigh to you. All those scriptures that come to mind when we think about seeking the Lord, there's nothing more pleasurable in my life than seeking the Lord. Because I sought the Lord and gave my life to him, he changed my life completely. He did miraculous things and continues to do miraculous things in my life. This part was never thought of. I never dreamed that this kind of thing would happen. He has a better sense of humor than I. But this is incredible that he would do this. But seeking the Lord with all your heart. If you don't believe me, try it. Test the Lord. Try it. Eight years old when he started to reign. And by the time he was 16, he started to seek the Lord. And then by the time he was 20, he began to purge the land of all the false images. And when he was 21 years old, the word of the Lord came to him through Jeremiah the prophet. Jeremiah the prophet, for the 13th year of reign of Josiah, the word of the Lord came under Jeremiah the prophet. You can read that in Jeremiah 1, verses 1 and 2. So Jeremiah the prophet and Josiah are contemporaries. They're very, very close in age. In fact, there might even be four years apart or so. I'm not sure. Jeremiah was 17 years old when the Lord called him. So there was about a four years difference between him and King Josiah. And Josiah did institute spiritual reforms. He wanted the nation to be spiritually minded. What a great thing to be spiritually minded. And that's our job, to see that you guys will be spiritually minded. Think spiritually. Because when you become spiritual, all things are spiritual. Everything is spiritual. But yet the prophet Jeremiah saw that the spiritual reforms weren't enough. He knew the prophet Jeremiah prophesied against Judah in his book when we get there. He knew that what was happening wasn't enough because the die was already cast. It was only because the king was serving God that the people followed, but they didn't follow with their whole The matter, the problem of the matter was their heart. Their hearts were wrong. Jeremiah cried out against them. He cried out and cried out and cried out. In fact, they got so mad at him, they threw him in a dungeon, told him to shut up, and gave him water and bread to eat. Jeremiah cried out against them and their conversion and their worship of God, declaring that if they would only turn back, God would relent. That's our God that we know. That's the God that we know. If we would only turn back, God would relent. God would forgive your sins if you would only turn back to him. As we get to the prophet Jeremiah, you understand it much better. The purging of Jerusalem, the reestablishing the temple worship and so forth by Josiah. 
And this is when Jeremiah begins his period of prophecy. And he prophesies against the nation all the way prior to the captivity with Babylon, which is coming. So because Josiah's relationship with the Lord at age 20 in the 12th year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of the high places, the wooden places, and all the things there. This is the result of seeking the Lord. Why? Because the Holy Spirit convicts you of sin. When you seek the Lord and you're aware of the Lord's presence, the Holy Spirit comes and he convicts you of sin, convicts you of righteousness, and he convicts you of judgment. That's what the Holy Spirit does. And when you're being convicted of that, you start to give up those things that are binding you down. You start to give up alcohol. You start to give up drugs. You start to give up illicit sex. You start to give up this, give up that. You start giving up these things because they're not good for you and the Lord. They're not good for your relationship with the Lord. So you jettison them and get rid of them, and that's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit continues to convict you. This is wrong. And he's gentleman about it. He's very gentle about it. I remember sitting at my dining room table one time in Ocean City. I'm sitting there. And I'm sitting and I'm reading the word of God. And all of a sudden, for some reason, I looked over. And right over here, right there on the wall, was this huge liquor cabinet. And I looked at it and went, huh? And I started reading the word. I, I couldn't keep my eyes off the liquor cabinet. And all of a sudden, I got up and I went over there. And I started dumping it all down the drain. I started dumping it all down the drain. I just, and and Beatrice said, what are you doing? I said, I have no idea, but it, it's got to get out of here. But that was me, folks. That's what I did. That was me. All right? That's how the Lord was working with me in my heart. He works differently in each other heart. I'm not coming against drinking. I'm not coming against that kind of stuff. If you do it to access, you've got to be careful. Says, don't be drunk with wine. Don't be drunk. But the Lord had me. But that's what the Lord does. We want to cure the social issues of the world. We want to stop abortion. We want to stop homosexuality. We want to stop all these other things that are going on in the world. That's what the Lord does. The Lord comes into your life and he changes your life. He changes your life and he starts to make a difference in your life. And then you see this need for change. He's not there with a big stick on, you got to change this, you got to whip it. No, he's very gentle with you. But you feel it in your heart and you're convicted of the Holy Spirit. You go, whoa, I got to do this. And that's what's happening here, here in Judah. It changes the entire outlook. This worship of the great variety of idols was entrenched because of the... His father, Josiah's father, and them. And all the late reforms that Manasseh did didn't hold up. They were short-lived because his, his son came in and ruined everything. You know, all the idols, come on, we've been through them all. The Baal, Ashtoreth, host of heaven. They put things in the very temple themselves. They were worshiping idols in the temple of God. Such blasphemy, such hardness. You can read that in 2 Kings. It says he burned the bones of the priests of the altars. So he carried out this prescribed punishment of idolatrous priests in Israel and those who defiled the altars, those who defiled the altars of God. He did not only reform and remove sinful things, he removed sinful people. He removed sinful people. Now, these were sinful priests who were leading others astray from God, and he removed them. He got rid of them. And under no small terms, he burnt their bones on the altar. So I guess he did with them, you know. See, sin must be dealt with harshly. Sin must be dealt with harshly. We have sin in our life. It must be dealt with harshly. Jesus said, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. If your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. Now, was he saying maim yourself? Was he saying, cause yourself to go blind? 
No, he was saying, get it out of your life. Get it out of your life. Favorite scene, favorite scene in the movie Fireplace, fire, Fireproof, Fireplace, Fireproof. Favorite scene in the movie Fireproof is when he has a problem with pornography and his wife calls him on it. And he's trying to get back with his wife, and she called him on it because she called him on there. My favorite scene in that was when he realized that, he took it out there and took a baseball bat to it and beat the snot out of it. I love that scene. See, he plucked it out. He got rid of the cause of the sin. He got rid of the temptation. I love that. And that's what Jesus is saying. If your eye causes you sin, pluck it out. If whatever causes you sin is in your life, get rid of it. That's what they're doing here. That's what they're doing here. These priests were causing people to sin. So he got rid of them. He, pretty harshly too, but he got rid of them. He got rid of them. Although Reformation can only, not only deal with sinful things, it must deal with sinful people for a true Reformation to have. If sinful people are not dealt with, they will quickly, quickly bring back the sinful things that were removed before. If you don't deal with the sin, it will always be there, and the temptation will always be there too. The sinful people who guide you and lead you into sin. He did this in all the cities, in Manasseh, Ephraim, Simeon, and all throughout the whole land of Israel. The northern kingdom had already been conquered, and he was going up there and helping them out by getting rid of all this stuff too. He was really doing a good job. So then he turns his eyes to the temple. Let's read verses 8 through 13. In the 18th year of his reign, now 18 and 8, so he's 26 years old now. In the 18th year of his reign, when he had purged the land of the temple, and the temple, he sent Shaphan, the son of Azaliah, Messiah, the governor of the city, and Joah, the son of Jehoaz, the recorder, to repair the house of the Lord his God. And when they came to Hilkiah, the high priest, whose father is Hilkiah? I mentioned his name already. Jeremiah. Hilkiah is Jeremiah's father. You can find that in the book of Jeremiah. They delivered that money which was brought into the house of God, and the Levites who kept the doors had gathered from the hand of Manasseh and Ephraim from all the remnant of Israel and all of Judah and Benjamin which they had brought back to Jerusalem. And then they put it in the hand of the foreman who had the oversight of the house of the Lord, and they gave it to the workmen who worked in the house of the Lord to repair and restore the house. They gave it to the craftsmen and the builders to buy and hew stone and timber for beams, and the floor of the houses the kings of Judah had destroyed. And the med did the work faithfully. Their overseers were Japheth, Obadiah, and the Levites, the sons of Merai, Zechariah, the Muslim, and the sons of the Kodahites, and supervised. Others of Levites, of all whom were skillful with instruments of music, were over the burden bearers and were overseers of all who did the work of any kind of service. And some of the Levites were scribes, Officers and gatekeepers. Okay, so somebody made a joke the other day about what they do on Saturday morning. It was a whistle while you work thing. I think that was funny because here they're playing music while these guys are restoring the temple. You are You've been listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave. Pastor Dave is sharing teachings that comes out of the ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cape May, in Cape May, New Jersey. In today's message, Pastor Dave has been in the book of 2 Chronicles. Within this book, you get to know all kinds of characters who made an impact on Israel's history, good or bad. A notable lesson that's given through this account is that God gives blessing to His people when they remain faithful. 
But when people allow their sin nature to take over, it's easy to see how things start to unravel and then fall apart. Just like a closely knit stitch on a blanket, the people of God were blessed and stayed united with God while they were following His ways. But when they turned to their own devices, they just became a tangled mess of yarn in a sense. Their purpose and plan became useless when they were following their own way and what they thought was best. Isn't it easy to get into this type of situation where you think you know better than God? Before you know it, you've become your own tangled and messy pile of yarn as well. How about following God's pattern and seeing the benefit of what that brings? If you'd like to hear more messages from 2 Chronicles, learning of God's faithfulness, go to assurehoperadio.com and look under the Messages tab. Well, we're about out of time for today's edition, but we encourage you to think and pray about what God's teaching you personally through this series in 2 Chronicles. Come back here next time to hear Pastor Dave share more on Assure Hope.